you guys have your Bibles this morning, I want to turn you to, I would encourage you to turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 1 this morning. We're going to be beginning a three-week mini-series through the Psalms over the next three weeks. And we're going to be looking at the topics, wisdom, lament, and praise. And so I'm going to kick that off today, and we're going to be talking about wisdom in the Psalms. So I'm going to be um, teaching this morning out of the CSB uh, version, so that's where I'll be reading, and you can follow along on the screen. I actually want to encourage you guys, um, we're going to read this passage together as a congregation as we start this off, these six verses in Psalm chapter 1. So let's read these together. All right. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Lord, would you guide my thoughts as I bring the word this morning. All glory to you. Remove me out of the way. May I just be faithful to preach your word. May we hear your word and do it, Lord. May we gain wisdom from it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, Psalm 1 draws a contrast between two different paths. These two paths are really the only two paths we are offered in this life. Between a path that is following the way of God and a path that chooses a life of wickedness and ungodliness. Wisdom is choosing the way of God against the way of the world. And we talk about how, you know, you ask some people say, okay, the, the definition of wisdom is knowledge applied, right? Well, that, that definitely goes hand in hand here as we look throughout the scriptures. We see that the knowledge that we have about the Lord, we do something with that, right? We follow his way. We follow the way of godliness. We follow the way of the Lord, and we reject wickedness and ungodliness. And what we're going to discover in this first psalm is, is much like we see even throughout the book of Proverbs, because a lot of times we think of Proverbs as, you know, it's definitely the, the wisdom literature, right? What we're going to see again is, is two ways, God's way or the wicked way. And the text this morning is going to lead us to ask the question, which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? There isn't an option to stand in the middle. There isn't an option to kind of straddle the fence as it relates to this Christian life. Choose God's way or choose the way of the wicked. H.B. Charles states that you could really summarize this entire first chapter of Psalms into three words, and I just said it. Choose God's way. Choose God's way. So what does that look like? What does it look like to choose God's way? Well, let's dive into our text this morning so we can see. So ver the very first verse of Psalm chapter 1 says this. How happy is the one 
who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. This first verse really sets the tone for our entire Christian life, doesn't it? I mean, there, there are blessings of God from God for those who put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Now, this is the type of person we all want to be, isn't it? We all want to be blessed. We all want to be happy, right? This is a person who is doing life well. This psalm, it opens up with a blessing. Those that are blessed, there's kind of a twofold definition to, to this idea of being blessed. The first is this. Those that are blessed are those who have been saved. Those who have been saved, those who have been justified, they are no longer guilty before the Lord. They have their sins forgiven. Right? What a blessing it is to know that our sins have been forgiven and that we are in Christ. Amen? You are the, the godly here, the blessed, are, are ones that are under God's blessing. They are saved. They are justified. And, and the other part of this as well, the other piece of this definition is that the blessed are, are genuinely happy. They are, they're truly fulfilled and satisfied in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, Oh, to understand the blessedness of being in Christ. Psalm 32, verse 1 says this, Blessed are those whose transgressions are covered. The Lord does not consider their sins against them. That idea of blessed are or happy or how happy are it actually comes up 26 different times in the Psalms. 26 different times how blessed are or how happy are. And, and maybe even as you were reading that this morning, maybe your mind jumped to, like mine did in my prep this week, Matthew chapter 5, right? In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, right? The blessed are truly fulfilled. They know true joy. It isn't, it isn't just a feeling that goes away, right? Being blessed, knowing that you're saved, and knowing the satisfaction that comes from God, that evokes a joy. It evokes a gratitude as we live in fellowship with our God. And what we're going to discover in the text here is that a blessed man is, is a delighting man. A blessed man is one that delights in the law of the Lord. He is enjoying God and meditating on God enjoying God's favor over his life or her life. But as we go through the text here, we're going to see here in the beginning that blessedness, there's actually like in the text here, there's, there's an association with God, but then there's this dissociation from the wicked. There's an association with God, but a disassociation with the wicked. It's kind of like there's an offensive perspective to this and a defensive perspective. You were thinking in sports, right? So living a God-blessed life looks like this. So the text told us that a godly person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the way of sinners, and does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. So let's go through that. So number one is this. A godly person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. If you're taking notes, that would kind of be number, number one in this section. A godly person does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does it mean to not walk in the counsel of the wicked? Well, it's, 
It's not to get into their way of thinking. Not to think and, and be kind of succumb to the ideologies of this world. Allowing the world system to inform and to guide your mind and your thinking. Pastor Steve Lawson shares how this is, this is a refusal to be open-minded. The way of the godly does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. They, they don't live a life going, I'm, I'm open-minded about how I think about all these things. We, we understand that there is an exclusivity to following Jesus Christ and that the word of God is our only supreme authority, right? And so we, we follow after Jesus. We follow after the word of God. There's not an open-mindedness to, to how my mind is shaped by the ideologies of this world, the wicked live open-minded to anything and everything. We see that in our secular agenda all across the world. The godly person receives their counsel from the wise. They are informed by the word of God, the law of the Lord. They are not open-minded in their thoughts or ideologies, but we have the godly person has their eyes fixed on Christ. They're not listening to the world for instruction in this life, but rather they follow the Lord's command to guide their footsteps throughout life. So that's the first part we see in this disassociation from the world. The godly person doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Number two, the godly person does not stand in the way of sinners. This is talking about your conduct. So the first one was, was actually talking about your thinking. Now, this idea of not standing in the way of sinners is actually talking about your behavior, your conduct, your actions. The godly person does not stand in the way of sinners. These are the actions of your life. The godly person isn't going to linger with sinners. And I'm not talking about not being friends with people that don't know Jesus. It's about acting. It's about your conduct. It's about your behavior. I want you guys to notice the progression in all of this. Walking with the counsel, excuse me, walking in the advice of the wicked is about thinking, right? Not standing in the way of sinners is about your action and your behavior. And what we're going to see about sitting in the seat of the mockers is about from going from thinking to action to action to full-on association with that. Obviously, all of us are sinners, but what the psalmist is telling us here in this specific verse about a godly person does not stand in the way of sinners is that there is not a fellowshipping with evil that then produces action in your life and behavior in your life that is wicked. And number three, a godly person does not sit in the seat of mockers. Like I said, notice the progression of this text. You go from walking to standing to sitting. And this walking has to do with your thinking. This standing has to do with your behavior and your action. And now this sitting is a full-on association identifying with the wicked, with evilness. A godly person does not sit in the seat of mockers. I read in my prep this week that in Jewish culture, 
Where you sat showed where you belonged. So, so man, you know, men would sit with men, and the young would sit with the young, and the old would sit with the old, and the rich would sit with the rich. The psalmist is talking about here where you find your identity. A godly person doesn't feed into the mocking of God and the things of God. You don't let that take place in your life and in your environment. You aren't going to put up with God being mocked and blasphemed. See, the blessed man is aware of who is influencing him or her. Who they are associating with. Who are shaping their thinking and their actions and, and, and who they're identifying with. You know, this kind of brings up, maybe this has come to your mind as I've been talking about this, but, you know, who we hang out with is often who we become, right? Charles Spurgeon expounded on this progression that I'm talking about from walking to standing to sitting. Hear this out. Spurgeon said this, When people live in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they merely walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They're evil, it's, it's practical rather than habitual, but then they become accustomed to evil. Then they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commands. If left alone, they become malignant teachers and evil enticers. And then the progression is they sit in the seat of the scornful. They have taken their degree in vice as true doctors of damnation. Notice that progression. You see, guys, the, the godly man, the, the godly person, the, the happy, truly fulfilled in Christ does not walk, stand, or sit in this way. So blessedness in this first verse was all about a dissociation to evil, but now there is a positive aspect to this. There is like an offensive aspect to this. What does wisdom look like for a child of God? Well, verse 2 tells us now what a godly person actually does, right? It says, his delight, instead of this, his delight is what? In the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. Instead of walking, standing, and sitting with evil, the blessed man, the godly person, does this. They meditate on the Lord's law. They meditate and delight in the Lord's law. The godly delights in the law of the Lord. I, I tell our, our students this all the time, but we, we are called to get into the word of God until the word gets into us. We need to get our hearts to love the law of the Lord. We, and, and we do that by delighting in the Lord. We, we enjoy God. Do you enjoy God? Do you enjoy his word? Do you, do you delight in the fact that the counsel of the Lord Most High leads you to life and intimacy with him? Do you delight in the word of God? And do you meditate on it? This idea of, of meditation on the Word of God, I, I heard an illustration, um, I've heard this several times over the years, but I was, I was reading a book a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of brought back up. How many of you guys are familiar with how a cow eats? Yeah, a few of you guys, all right. 
Well, when a cow eats, it swallows and the food goes into the first compartment in the stomach. And after a little bit, the food comes back up to its mouth where it chews on it some more and it swallows it again just for it to go to a different part of the stomach. All right? A cow does this several times in a complete digestive cycle so that it can get the most out of the nutrients in the food. This is what happens when somebody truly recites, meditates on the Word of God. You wake up in the morning and you get into the Word of God and you, you have intake through the reading of God's Word and then throughout the day you, just, you keep bringing up, back up with what you read earlier and you're chewing on it so that you can fully digest what God's Word is telling you. You know, Eugene Peterson, he used to have a phrase, and he, he said, we're called to eat, eat the book, eat the word, savoring and having an immersive relationship with the Bible. You develop a personal relationship with it, right? You eat the book. You get into the scriptures so that the scriptures get into you. A believer focuses on the word, ponders the word, savors the word, and delights in the word. And as a Christian, guys, your relationship, my relationship with God, and our relationship with the Bible are inseparable. God has revealed himself to us in his word, and we cannot know God apart from the Bible. Additionally, God has revealed everything that we need to know for the Christian life in the pages of his holy word. And it is through the truth of God's word that we grow up in every way into him, like Ephesians chapter 4 tells us. Scripture completely equips us and makes us competent for every good work that God has created us to do, as 2 Timothy 3.17 tells us. So guys, the blessed man is one who delights in the law of the Lord. Psalm 119.16 says this, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 119.16. So I want to ask you guys, what are you thinking about? What are you delighting in? What is shaping your thinking. Because what we delight in, it follows through is what we'll end up caring about, right? And what we care about, we end up chasing. So what are you thinking about? What are you delighting in? What is shaping your thinking? Who is shaping your thinking? Guys, the path of the godly is one that delights and meditates in the law of the Lord. Let's go on to verse 3. Not only does the godly man delight and meditate on the law of the Lord, but the godly man also is, is one that, that is a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. This is, this is a promise from God for those that are blessed in following the way of God, right? Here the psalmist uses two different similes based on agriculture in ancient Palestine to describe the effects of these two kinds of people. The happiness of godliness is likened to a tree. You know, if you actually look through the wisdom literature of Scripture, 
The tree is actually a metaphor for wisdom itself. It tells us that in Proverbs 3.18. And a wise person is likened to a tree of life that his or her speech and activities are life-giving and restorative. The first image here of a tree is, is one that is healthy, that is, that is thriving, that is doing well because of where it is planted. This tree is intentionally planted. In fact, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 13, it says this, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. The tree image is also talked about in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Where it says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So, I mean, in the world around us and in the the life of chaos that we live as well, I mean, this is... This is almost talking about here like a a tree that is in a desert. But it's still thriving and it's still healthy because of where it is planted. This tree is intentionally planted. You you become a tree when, right, when we're called as as believers to to bear fruit and, and, and to stay close to the water, the flowing streams, the rivers, and not to go off in the way of the wicked, the wicked. H.B. Charles said this. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water. It is planted near the nexus of rivers. There may be no rain coming from above, but there are streams underneath it, and it has a constant supply of water to feed its roots even when drought comes. That's, that's such a good word for us, isn't it? I mean, anybody else maybe going through a hard season right now in life? Maybe you've experienced the dark night of the soul. Yet when we are planted next to the living waters, when we are planted next to these streams, we begin to bear fruit. We begin to know that it's okay because we're blessed, because we are saved. We can still find satisfaction in our Lord despite the circumstances around us. Our joy, our happiness is not rooted in feeling or circumstances, right? But it's in the Lord. Are you planted by the living waters? And who is the living water? We know that Scripture tells us that's Jesus Christ. Continue to abide in Christ. There, your your life will become so much healthier and you will just experience the blessing of, as you stay close to Jesus of life. You will thrive wherever you go as you continue to abide in Christ. The verse continues, the leaf will not wither, but you will prosper. And this is talking about receiving God's blessing. Now, we're not talking here about health or wealth, prosperity, gospel, anything like that. It's actually, it's a deeper source of water where we become strong. One pastor said this to describe this kind of blessing. It's, it's here, this, this idea of, not, of continuing to prosper and this blessing in that. One pastor said this, there are rivers of pardon and grace 
that are never-failing sources of supply for our life. So we're, we're not talking about, you know, just all of these wealth and health is just being brought upon us. Like, the Lord does want to bless us, but, but I, I love how that pastor described it. The blessings that, that we experience as, as we walk in godliness are these constant reminders of rivers of pardon and grace that are never-failing sources of supply for our life. His mercies are new every morning. We experience that. We're reminded through the promises of God that, man, I am not guilty anymore. I'm justified before him. That my, there, There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Right? It's, just, it's these reminders of the beautiful promises of God. That, and that's true spiritually prospering, right? And we will yield its fruit in season. So pursue the way of wisdom. All right, verse 4. Now we go to the wicked. We talked about what the godly, the godly, the disassociation from wickedness, the association to God. Now check out how verse 4 starts. The wicked are not like this. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are a shaft that the wind blows away. Excuse me. Notice what the psalmist says here. The wicked are not like this. This is the opposite of the blessed man. The wicked aren't planted by streams of living water. They aren't getting nourishment. They may think that they are prospering, but they are not. And the path that they are on leads to destruction. They are like dried up bush in the desert. Do you guys know what chaff is? I want to just share with you guys if you don't know what that is. Chaff is the outer shell or the husk that covers the kernels of grain. And so at harvest time, a farmer would cut the grain and take it to the threshing floor. And stalks of grain would be crushed under the weight of an ox-drawn sled. And the farmer would sift the wheat by tossing it in the air. And the good grain would fall back to the earth, but the slightest wind would end up carrying the shaft away. Separating the useful stuff versus the useless. This is the destiny of the wicked. There is coming a day where the wicked will be judged. Judgment is coming. Choose wisely the path in which you take. Choose God's way. One, there is clear blessing. One path, there is clear judgment. See how easy the wind could just drive that away as the farmer would throw that up? Shaft doesn't benefit anybody. And this is why it is compared to the wicked here. You see the wisdom in this? The visual images that help stimulate our minds to understand the path of God versus the path of the wicked? The character of the wicked is evilness, and it doesn't benefit anyone because it is dead. Just driven away by the wind. You guys noticing the contrast here? Verse 3 told us and taught us that the lifestyle of the righteous, of the godly, of the blessed is prosperous, and it's blessed. But here is the wicked's destiny. It is doomed. It is not blessed. The wicked isn't like a tree planted by water. It is driven away by the wind, and judgment is coming. 
Let's finish up in verses 5 and 6. It says this, Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. There will be no standing on judgment day for the wicked because they built their foundation on the sand. They chose evil over the way of God. Proverbs 14.12 says this, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end, therefore, is death. Guys, judgment day, it's coming. Every one of us will face judgment day one day, and, and we will give an account for the life in which we lived. Will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stay that you chose the narrow path, that you chose God's way that led to life? You are confident that you are justified and forgiven. The way of wisdom is so clear in this text. God's way is the only way that leads to life. God's way is the only way that leads to life, blessing, and life everlasting. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Don't put it off to live for Christ or to turn to him. There are two life courses, two ways of life, and you guys see how it plays out. There are the godly and the wicked. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. I'm going to invite the band to come on up as we conclude this morning. There is truly one way to enter into this blessed path. For those of you this morning that you know you're not. And it is through the narrow gate. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Scripture tells us that to repent of our sins and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, he stood in our place, and he rose again. And by believing in his name, there is life to be found, life eternal. If you're sitting here this morning and you're hearing this message and you're thinking, Josh, I've, I've, never, I've never turned from my sins. I, I want that life of blessedness, knowing that I am justified, knowing that I am forgiven. I, I want to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. I, can I encourage you to, to repent of your sins this morning, to believe in Jesus? Turn to him. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Believe in what he's done for you. And for those of you this morning that are sitting here and you know, you know you're saved, can I encourage you maybe to repent of your sin if you've, you've found yourself maybe drifting towards the way of the wicked? To abide in Jesus this week and experience the intimacy of that to find the nourishment that comes with planting yourself close to the living water that never runs dry. There's such joy and fulfillment and satisfaction to be found as we do that. So as we worship, I want you guys to respond just in the quietness of your seat. We'll, we'll stand together and 
Maybe it's just business between you and God. But let's stand together and let's respond to the Lord.